0: Dreaming of a white wine, a real nice Pinot Grigio.
1: To another episode of Is Fitz Happy. I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This episode we're discussing chapter 12, Tasks. And the beginning part of this one is just another blurb from a slightly different perspective of the Redship Raiders' War and why the people don't like Verity. Yeah. Uh it just kind of goes into how the six duchies weren't prepared for an all-out war. We were they had grown rusty with uh, just the occasional skirmish and the people didn't realize what Verity was doing for them, skilling out and so it looked like the crown was doing nothing. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the whole thing. Is there anything that you wanted to go into on that?
0: Um, Not really. Just the um, it talks the author, whoever it may be, we assume fits. I guess it could be not fits, but pretty confident it's Fitz, says that they understand why the people didn't like Verity, which I thought was really interesting, because Fitz is so pro-Verity all the time, (laughs) and is very, like, upset when people talk bad about him, that it was really interesting to have this little moment of, um, we cannot really blame the people, it seemed the longest winter of my life, like, it just... Is so hard, and especially when you don't know what the magic does. Right. I don't know. It was nice to see sympathy from Fitz.
1: The beginning of this picks up where we left off with Fitz leaving Verity's uh, study and going to Queen Ketcherkin's apartments, where he is admitted by Rosemary. Mm-hmm. Again, spy alert. She is Verity's spy and reports on Not everything, Verity, or a regal spy, excuse me, <laughs> and reports on everything that they say within, and everything that Ketchikan does. So in the room, she and a bunch of her ladies that are waiting on her are gathered around a cloth, like a linen cloth, tablecloth or something, mm-hmm. and they're doing decorative edge work on it, and usually Fitz remarks that it's, you know, a lively activity where it's Something to keep you busy, you're creating something kind of nice, but it's an excuse to get together, talk, have fun, right? a pastime. And in here, it is very quiet, very still, and there's hardly any noise at all. And Ketrikin is very contained within herself, and it seems like she has walls up.
0: Um, so this causes Fitz to need to justify why he is here intruding on this silent space. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he lets her know that he has a message from King Verity. So the message is, of course, that he's giving the Queen's Tower garden to Ketrickin.
1: Yep.
0: Um, And Ketrickin, before reacting, really, says, are you sure that that was his message? And Fitz is confused, like, yeah, that's what he said. And suddenly Ketrakin is extremely happy.
1: Yeah, she's overjoyed at that. And we kind of get the in the next couple pages, we kind of get the feeling that her being meditative and her having her quote unquote walls surrounding her Mm -hmm. and just being kind of composed and quiet all the time is her way of literally trying not to lose it. With, like, what is happening in her life. Right. And yeah. just, like, she feels bad about herself, she needs to be grounded again, and mm-hmm. trying to connect back to, like, I need to calm myself down, and the whole situation, and just, yeah be okay. But when, in her mind, she's given a way out of that feeling, right. she latches on, and, and she thinks, later on, we see she thinks that Verity has forgiven her for yeah. her, her actions. So... She's very excited about this gift and immediately says, like, we must go see it now. There's a snowstorm outside. And one of the ladies is like, well, know, it's going to be kind of cold. And Lady Modesty, one of the first uh, women who joined her uh, and stood up for her, for Ketrekin, mm-hmm. Um I think she was there the first day that Fitz is like, these two people are here attending you. Reward them. And then she invited them for a right. evening alone or whatever she's like no yeah we can go now that's that's great (laughs) (laughs)
0: that sounds like a great idea well we learn also that lady modesty um was a woman of the court during queen constance's time so she remembers the gardens and i think this may be why she's a little excited to see it i don't think anybody here knows that it's become so barren just because they probably haven't thought about it in a really long time. Right. And or maybe in memories or like, oh, remember that time, but not in like a, I should go check out that place on top of a mm-hmm. tower. So it's, yeah.
1: I think, I want I want to think the best of Lady Modesty mm-hmm. and say that uh, she kind of, I mean, this is kind of headcanon here, but like, yeah, she was a lady during Queen Constance, spent time up there, was probably mm-hmm. a friend of Queen Constance a little bit. And then during Desire, I want to say, like, she kept out of everything, and that's why she was one of the only few to latch on to Ketrickin after, because mm-hmm. she saw something in her. But, uh, yeah, she seems she seems to want to either recall that to its former glory, or just is excited to see Ketrickin animated by something, and wants to continue that thought right? And well, that feeling.
0: Right, and we have to assume that she's elderly, or not elderly per se, but she's older, older yeah. if she was in... Constance's court
1: it does say that a little bit later I think right fits I remarks. think it
0: Yeah, mentions her age but I just say that because you know she's lived through two queens now three <laughs> I guess Ketrickin isn't quite queen yet yeah queen um, and waiting but yeah so I just think it's important to note that she's like older and probably not really in on I mean, she's probably got gossip, but she's not really in on the super intricate inner workings of court intrigue anymore. I would hope. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Never know. Modesty's at the center of it all. Right. So it's goes, leaves leaves, and grabs his cloak and comes back and they're all ready and he leads them up to the tower.
0: This is on the way up. Uh, he and Ketrickin are at the top of the stairs, very far ahead of everyone else. Um, And Ketrickin softly asks, he's forgiven me, hasn't he? So this is what Luke was talking about a little bit earlier. Ketrickin is taking this gift as being forgiven for her bad behavior, question mark. I don't know. I assume she thinks that Verity's upset with her because he's been avoiding her, um, which we know isn't necessarily fully the reason that he's avoiding her.
1: (laughs) My lord Verity has forgiven me, and this is his way of showing it. Oh, I shall make a garden for us to share. I shall never shame him again. Yeah. And I I, I kind of had this question on there, too. Like, I, I guess we can assume that it's because he was avoiding her. But also, is it because she wandered out the gates after him and Fitz came and reprimanded her and she assumed that was coming kind of from Verity? Or is it like a combination of everything? Or is it just I don't know?
0: I feel like there had to have been a conversation between the two of them where he probably let it slip that, like, what you're doing is shameful to the crown or something. Like, maybe he didn't say that she shamed him, but the word shame was used (laughs) towards her actions. And I feel like that's the only way I can rationalize why she would think she had shamed him. Right. Um, I don't think Fitz used any language that was like, doing this is a bad you know, shames the reputation of the home whenever she left alone. Um, but maybe it was a conversation they had that we haven't heard about where he said something in anger or, you know, wasn't thinking about his words and she took that to heart. I don't know. It made me feel very sorry for her though. Um, mostly because I don't feel like she should feel ashamed of anything she's done up until this point. Right. Um, in the context of being queen-in-waiting because she's the first person to give the duchies hope and they needed it. (laughs) So I don't know. It's really sad to see a very confident young lady feel so bad for being a good leader (laughs) because she feels like her husband can't deal with the fact that she's a good leader and he's not as good, even though he's perfectly (laughs) fine, you know? I don't know. But she's super happy about this. She's excited. She thinks this is her chance, which is really interesting, an interesting way to take this. Um, I suppose. We know that she likes gardening, so maybe she thinks that he's doing this because he knows that she likes gardening and that he remembered something about her and wants her to know she would do well in this area, yeah. And it's giving her something to physically do, which I think is really all she wanted <laughs> Yeah, was physical work. Um,
1: it says here, um, she swept a load of snow from a stone bench and then picked up the cherub and set it, it atop it. It was not a small statue, but Ketchikan used her size and strength energetically as she extricate, extricated several other pieces from the drifted snow. <laughs> Does she, I mean, she enthusiastically set about her work, like moving statues around in the middle of a snowstorm, just kind of like, "Ooh, look what we have to work with!
0: Uh-huh. This is great!" <laughs> yeah, and in the middle of all this joy and excitement coming out of Ketchikan, we have a little bit of sadness and anger from Fitz um, because this is the place where he
1: where almost Galen, died. Yeah, where Galen <laughs> Skill suggested into him to die and where he had his training like the whole training is traumatic but mm-hmm. he glances over at a specific legend is like i'm i know what i'm gonna look if i look over that edge mm-hmm. i'm gonna push that away and knock over there
0: yeah which begs the question of how much verity did fix because we know verity fixed a little bit of what galen skilled into him
1: yeah um i think but- it was mostly like the misting of his mind and like the memory thing right but-
0: But there's still this leftover call to him to jump off this specific ledge and that's so scary to think about Mm
1: -hmm. i know we've brought it up a couple times like uh, mentioning that this is a reoccurring thought right that happens to him and yeah
0: but i wonder at what point it becomes a skill suggestion and what point it becomes a young boy who has a lot of responsibility thrust on him and not very much support becoming depressed you know what i mean
1: right yeah and
0: i'm sure it started with galen's skill suggestion but i always just assumed all of that went away with verity's meddling and maybe it didn't maybe this is part of the cause of his mental illness um but maybe not maybe he he just struggles with it anyway i don't know
1: yeah i mean it could just be a memory of it as well of like what he was driven to do and he, he still remembers his reasoning for it right But the overwhelming drive to actually do it might be gone. gone. Right.
0: So from this dark thought cycle that he is putting himself through, he looks at Ketrakin and notes how beautiful she is Mm -hmm. in this situation, out in the snow, moving, working, coming alive. He said, there is a flower called a snowdrop. That sometimes blooms, even as the banked snows of winter, are retreating. She reminded me of one. Her pale hair was suddenly gold against the green cloak she wore. Her lips were red, her cheeks were pink, as the roses that would bloom here again. Her eyes were darting blue jewels that she excavated and exclaimed over each treasure. In contrast, her dark-tressed ladies with eyes of black or brown were cloaked and hooded against the winter chill. This, I thought, this is how Verity should see her glowing with enthusiasm in life. Then he could not help but love her. So he's like super into her <laughs> and maybe he doesn't realize it. And I'm sure he would never acknowledge that feeling as his oh, own. No.
1: Yeah, I, I highlighted that passage as well because, I mean, he is sitting there like admiring her and it's like, oh, wow, she's so full of life. Like she's beautiful it- <laughs> amongst all of this.
0: How could anybody not love her after seeing her this happy? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know.
1: I think it, I think he did have quite a crush on her in the mountain kingdom and throughout, but with Molly so near, it kind of got thrust aside and it's transformed into like, why can't Verity see this? Why can't like, he, he puts his feelings into terms of why can't Verity feel this way or like see her like this so it kind of is a self-delusion of like hey
0: i just want my uncle to realize the catchy right Right. i also think that fitz struggles with his own feelings in a sense of ketchikan doesn't necessarily take away the loneliness because ketchikan knows him as fitz chivalry right and i think there's a little bit of a wall there that Really, no one will ever be able to break, but it's a different wall than the one that he has to use with Molly. And so with Molly, he has years and years and a lifetime of being somebody he wasn't. And I think that delusion makes it feel like he likes Molly for sure and definitely not Ketrickin.
1: (laughs) I think he refuses to let any feelings go through for Ketrickin. And that's why. It's just once in a while we get a passage of like oh she's so beautiful yeah like i I don't think like even even if he was like oh yeah i could like her his his mind wouldn't let him say that because right
0: she's married to his uncle yeah that's a good point um but i do think it's funny my first time reading through this i did not pick up on his crush on her at all
1: i remember you like reading the last book and you're like what
0: (laughs) I don't know. I just, I had no idea. So I get that Fitz doesn't even know his own feelings because first read through, I did not catch those either.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not a description that you just kind of say about somebody else or think about somebody else without <laughs> having some sort of feelings attached.
0: Right. Right.
1: But she is, like we mentioned before, very excited, very enthusiastic about this, and uh, Lady Hope ventures that it's like, it's it's quite lovely, sure, but it's very cold and there's not much we can do in the winter. But Ketrakin is all about getting it cleaned up, getting it laid out and ready to plant in the spring, and all sorts of things. She needs to figure out what the plan is going to be for this garden, how it's going to look, and maybe she can get Verity to tell her how it was in the past. Or, you know, maybe she can just recreate it and surprise him. Right. And Lady Modesty advises, like, or says that, yes, I, I remember many a time with Queen Constance. I was up here. Tomorrow, we can, we can discuss that.
0: And, well, tomorrow we can sweep away the snow. Tonight, I'll tell you the stories that I have.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah, and
0: Ketriken gets really excited about this, and this is the first thing uh to kind of lead her out of the cold back yeah. inside, I think, um, because I think she would have been fine to just pick up a shovel right now and oh, yeah. go to town a hundred percent um
1: so, but this also shows the growth of Ketriken, and she like takes those cues from other people and like yeah. What? You know, would you tell me tonight? And then, like, leads people down.
0: Yeah, she realizes, oh, yeah, I'm the only one from the Mountain Kingdom here. (laughs) They're not used to being outside and cold. So, yeah, there is some growth there. And her positive reaction seems to be a great thing. For her ladies, especially Lady mm-hmm. Modesty. Yeah. Um, they really appreciate seeing how happy she is for once.
1: Any reaction from the past few days, honestly. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, if if she has been like we've seen her in the past two scenes. One where she tried to teach Fitz to meditate. And the second one, right when we walked in her room now, it has been extremely silent in yes. her rooms. So. uh. Fitz is happy for this, but he also feels like he's betraying Ketrakin a little bit and he feels guilty for misleading her that Verity had specifically given her this garden as like an apology and he never corrected her assumption on any of that. Right. And he says, I doubted that by the morrow Verity would even recall he had gifted her with it. Because it doesn't have the significance to him that it did to Ketrickin. And I'm right. wondering if it could be different values as well, like different cultures. Like in the Mountain Kingdom, do you give a gift to somebody? Right. Like we we just don't know. And Ketrikin could be accepting or putting culture cultural values on an action that means something different here you know, in the six touchies.
0: Right. Well, I don't necessarily even think it's a cultural thing Um, because, like I said earlier, we know she loves gardening and she's probably said something about it to Verity at least once, especially if it was one of her hobbies. We know that he doesn't seem to pay much attention to her, but that doesn't mean she hasn't said things to him about what she likes. Right. Um, And so I'm sure it just feels like Here, I hear that you are having trouble doing nothing. You feel like you don't have anything physical to do and you don't like embroidery. So here's something that I think you might like better to fill your time with. And it's really precious to me because this is something my mom did that I have great childhood memories with. And I think... And, you know, and like, so here it is. Here's this thing that's precious to me that I'm giving to you to take care of now. And so that's what she's thinking. Right. Whereas to him, it's like, oh, yeah, that was a cool place of my childhood. I guess she could do something there. Maybe that will keep her busy. And it doesn't it's not as precious to him as Fitz maybe made it seem to Ketrickin. And I don't know, it just oh, it makes me sad because Ketrickin wants so badly just to be a good wife. Yeah. <laughs> And I think Verity wants so badly to not have a wife. <laughs> so, ugh.
1: Fitz leaves that party there and wants to be alone for a while because of those feelings of guilt. He goes down to eat in the guards' mess hall. And um, Biric and Hans invite him to eat with them. So he's sitting with them, and he—he's basically a third wheel, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Because they're—they're they're part of a life that Fitz no longer belongs to. They're discussing their work, and Hans. Fitz can tell Hans has learned a lot from Biric, and yet they speak as equals, and you can still see, and hear respect in Hans's tone for Biric, and mm-hmm. they just have a working relationship that Fitz is no longer a part of. Right. So he feels even more alone.
0: Yeah, and as they leave, he's left alone. Well, not alone, because the room is busy with other guards, people eating. Um, But he notes that there is so much noise and just different things happening around him. And it says, I should have felt content, not restless, nor melancholy, not alone. And the way it's described here, there's just... So many sensory details, Mm -hmm. like pots hitting spoons and people laughing, ale splashing. It kind of almost feels like a panic attack. Um, (laughs) Like sometimes you get like sensory overload, some types of panic attacks from anxiety. You get a sensory overload where you're like overly aware of sounds and noises and things Mm -hmm. going on around you. But you feel really separated from that. So I wonder if this is kind of like... A reaction to being in the tower to having to sit somewhere where so much awful things happened to him and then trying to go back to normal life and having all this stuff around him just maybe he was just feeling overwhelmed
1: interesting i didn't think about it like that because the the century sensory description is you know they speak of the pleasant sounds of talk of mm-hmm. spoon hitting the pot side, the thud of someone cut a wedge of cheese from the wheel was like a music like all those, like right. Very pleasant descriptors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Didn't put me into that mindset at all.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe. And this could be, I'm taking something from my own personal experience yeah, and no, putting, that's... placing it over. Um, but I know sometimes like, If I'm having like really bad anxiety, I know that the sounds around me should be happy and like shouldn't there's nothing scary about them. They're not anything, you know, that I that should be like making me upset or in any way. And then it's like I feel like I just resonated with his I should have felt content, not restless. And it just really felt like what happens when you're Kind of like <laughs> sensory overload. <laughs> um, so I just figured like, oh, maybe that's what he's going through right now after reliving trauma.
1: <laughs> Very interesting. I really like that. And he gets talked to by Night Eyes. Yeah. Um and they have a meetup that night and Fitz is bringing out some bones and some more medicine and has to wait for Night Eyes to come because he was out hunting pretty far from the hut. Yeah. And he applies the medicine and Night Eyes licks it in because it's goose grease and I'm sure it tastes delicious to a wolf. <laughs> and they speak on what Night Eyes was doing and he was hunting like like I mentioned, but he had also picked up sense of... Uh, the Forged Ones wandering around where he was, and he was wondering when they were going to go hunting. Because he realizes from Fitz's talk with Verity that they're going to go out and kill some more of the Forged Ones mm-hmm. that they did the previous day.
0: Right. And he asks when when it is that he thinks that they can go hunting. And Fitz starts out by saying, mm, maybe we're going to wait two days and see. I want to be able to hold a sword. Right. Um, and that's when night ice kind of lets it drop that well maybe go a little bit quicker because um they're really close
1: yeah i saw some today senseless ones they had found a winter killed buck on a stream bank and were eating it fouled stinking meat and they were eating it but it won't hold them for long tomorrow they'll be coming closer then we hunt tomorrow show me where you saw them I did not know you ranged that far. Did you go all that way today with an injured shoulder? It was not so far. I sensed a bit, a bit of bravado in that answer. And I knew we would be seeking them. So Night Eyes is, took it upon himself to go and uh, mm-hmm. and try to snuff some out and find where they were and, and see how soon this might be.
0: Right. And he calls it hunting, which Fitz kind of doesn't like.
1: Yeah, it's scarcely hunting, Night Eyes.
0: No, but it's a thing we do for our pack. And so it's really interesting what Night Eyes is picking up from Fitz. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like, oh, sure, this isn't what a normal wolf would do. This isn't even like hunting because we're hungry. But he relates to wolf terms of another group is invading in our area and we need to save the pack and right. it's really interesting to see it in a sense like that. Like this is just a natural thing that animals and people do. Um where Fitz is really struggling with the morality of I don't want to be a tool that's right. easily disposed of and also these are duchy six duchies people so <laughs> it's hard to kill them even if they don't they aren't people right. so to speak right now.
1: And the next line here really is a difference from what we were talking about before in the uh the dining hall. Mhm. I sat with him for a while in companionable silence watching him gnaw on the bones I had brought him. And here he's alone, he's with his wolf, and he found his center. Mhm. So, it's a little bit different from being alone and in comfortable noises. Right. It's now Alone with your with your brother, (laughs) your brother,
0: brother. Yeah. Well, I think part of the difference is. When he's sitting in the mess hall, the aloneness he feels contrasts so much with what's going on around him, he's not technically alone. And I'm sure there are people there that he sees as friends or he knows they see him as a friend in some way. But it probably feels like they don't know him at all. And so it's like he's not really there. Whereas with his wolf, they know everything about each other and accept each other. And there is someone else there, even if it's just a wolf. <laughs> and so even if he's technically alone in the sense of other human beings, there is someone there acknowledging his presence and accepting him and not expecting anything of him rather where I think he has a problem with assuming that everyone's expecting something
1: they continue on with their little well, uh, with a little brief interlude in Fitz's life where he's able to be content for a while and he remarks that Night Eyes is growing well he's looking good He's he's filling out a bit he's growing up "'and that Fitz had been alone so long "'that he had forgotten what it meant to have a friend. "'Night-Eyes stopped chewing his bone "'and looked up at me in mild amusement. "'A friend? "'Too small a word for it, brother, "'and in the wrong direction. "'So do not look at me like that. "'I will be to you what you are to me, "'fond brother and pack, "'but I am not all you will ever need.' He went back to chewing his bone and i sat chewing over what he had just advised i thought that last sentence is just a little too on the nose mm-hmm. i think it's like funny to read but at the same time it's just i don't know
0: right it's interesting right because as far as we know there is one time where night Eyes tries to join a pack but other than that night Eyes doesn't seek anyone else out for his sake his own sake
1: oh yeah um, that's a, yeah
0: oh sorry. no i agree with
1: that i was talking about like he went back to chewing his bone and i sat chewing over what he had just oh. advised i thought that was just a little too on, the, on okay. the nose. um but i i do agree that like night eyes knows that fitz needs more than just a wolf mm-hmm. companion he's becoming too so dependent. much more human oh, okay. than fitz is becoming a wolf honestly, and Fitz remarks on that a little bit later. He says, I also had a twinge of guilt that Night Eyes would so adapt his life and and will to mine. I mean, he also reflects on adapting to hunting the Forged Ones after because of what right. you had mentioned previous to, previously, too, that he has a difficult time hunting Forged Ones. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Night Eyes doesn't really want... I mean, he wants to join a pack at one point, because mm-hmm. he thinks he wants more, and then he realizes he doesn't need more.
0: Right. So it's interesting that he's pointing out to Fitz, to me, that, like, hey, uh, probably don't be a weirdo with just a wolf as a friend. Like,
1: <laughs> I mean, I think it also comes from experiences that they've had already. Fitz didn't stay with Night Eyes when they were playing. True. He exited his mind. He turned towards the human world. There there's been a couple times like that where he's like, No, I need my separation. I need to be with just humans sometimes alone. Don't be with that's, me all the time. So That's a good point. Fitz has kind of shown Night Eyes not in so many words and not in anything that Fitz should be surprised at when said back to him. <laughs> but he's told Night Eyes, like, I, I need more than just you. You're you're my brother, yes, but humans need other humans too. Yeah. And I think that Night Eyes kind of takes that, and he's like, "Maybe I can try being part of a wolf pack someday, or whatever." And Great. that's where that comes from. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know either. Fitz does leave, though. Says good night to uh, good night to Night Eyes, and he's like, "Well, I'm not going to sleep, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, you go, you go back to your your keep, uh-huh. and." He is thinking over everything and and trying to, you know, trying to come to terms with what he's done in the past few days. Like he was resolved to set the cub free and then become became bonded instead. And just kind of recapping the last few chapters here.
0: He also wonders if maybe everything that's going on is everyone just dancing to the fool's fate
1: yep
0: um that everything that's happened so far has happened because the fool suggested that Fitz talked to Verity about this stuff Mm -hmm. and so now he's like maybe this is all the fool's fault (laughs) (laughs) because I think he feels pretty down right now and needs somebody to blame for why he feels so sad or moody (laughs) upset and it's probably pretty easy to blame the fool, especially because the fool made him mad last time they met.
1: Honestly, I don't think all of it's about blame either, though. Yeah. Because he's just kind of relating some things. A couple a couple things he's feeling bad about, but one, he became Bond Brothers with Night Eyes, and another um, is about getting a task to discover other skilled ones and study the Elderlings. There's a couple bad ones, like you mentioned. But I, th- I don't know if it's all of, like him just trying to find someone to blame because he's upset. I think it's him actually reflecting, like, hadn't he suggested all of these? Like, isn't yeah. that a... So I think it's a little bit of... Maybe a little bit of just f- trying to find someone to blame, but also he's coming to terms with maybe the fool does know what he's kind of talking about.
0: Yeah, like he has some idea what's going on.
1: Right. But thinking on that, he goes to Verity's room to grab the elderling scrolls from the the little chest jerem lets him in and lets him take the scrolls and there's a lot more than he was expecting and then he gets back to his room and he uh you know puts some wood on the fire and puts the scrolls down and he just kind of glances around his room Mm -hmm. and notices that it is exactly the same as it was when he got it when he was eight years old or whenever however old he was it's just an ugly tapestry of King Wisdom with a yellow elderling-ish thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a chest. A bed. A bed. A desk. And a fireplace. Like, that's <laughs> that's it.
0: And suddenly, I was a bare and dreary person, devoid of imagination. I fetched and I hunted and I killed. I obeyed. More hound than man. And not even a favored hound to be petted and praised. One of the working pack. When was the last time I had heard from Shrewd or Chade? And he just goes into this spiral of nobody likes me.
1: <laughs> yeah, nobody likes me. For me, they just keep me around because I'm useful.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is sad, and I feel like I really feel like this whole, this mood, this spiral in mood, um, stems from going up to the tower.
1: Definitely could be, yeah.
0: And I think I think it would be hard. I mean. He was abused up there with all the other kids and young adults that were learning the skill, but still it's not a good place to be. (laughs) And I think it just really reminds him of the dreariness that was put into his brain of he is worthless. Right. And now he's, you know, looking back over his life and Seeing like, hey, maybe I am worthless because, you know, I don't even have any decorations in my bedroom, <laughs> which is sad that he thinks that way. But you can kind of see where where it's coming from. Yeah. And ugh, it's sad to watch him spiral like this.
1: Suddenly, I could no longer abide my own company. I set down the scroll I had picked up and left my room. When I knocked at the door of Patience's room, there was a pause. Who is it? came Lacey's voice. Only Fifth Chivalry. Chivalry a bit of surprise in the tone. It was late for a visit from me. Usually I came during the day. Then I was comforted to hear the sound of a bar being removed, and a latch worked. <laughs> she had paid attention to what I told her, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> He he goes to find somebody to talk to and and he knows he has a task that he wants to relay to Patience. And so he goes to Patience with that as his excuse.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's definitely just an excuse he thought of once he got there. I think. He probably knows that. Patience cares for him a lot, mm-hmm. and if anybody's going to make him feel a little bit better, it's going to be the woman who supports him and is, and is in his corner.
1: And who literally came to the court because of him, yeah. who he was, and that's what he learned, like, a couple chapters ago or mm-hmm. last chapter. So, yeah, definitely. When he gets to the room, he sees that it's not just Patience and Lacey. Molly is sitting there as well. Mm-hmm. And after a brief glance at Lacey, immediately charges over to Molly and (laughs) kind of forgets his propriety and everything like that. And And, uh,
0: shows that he is definitely related to Regal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gets down on knees in front of her. and I uh, cannot
0: go on like this anymore. No matter how foolish, no matter how dangerous, no matter what any other may think, I cannot always be apart from you. She pulled my hand away from me, and I let it go not to hurt her fingers, but I grasped at her skirts and clutched the fold of it like a stubborn child. At least speak to me, I begged her, but it was Patience who spoke. Fitz chivalry, this is not seemly. Stop it at once. It was not seemly, nor wise, nor appropriate for my father to court you as he did, either, but he did not hesitate. I suspect he felt much as I do right now. I did not look away from Molly." That won me a moment of startled silence from Patience, but it was Molly who set aside her needlework and rose. And, you know, he's being overly
1: dramatic. He's being very dramatic in this whole scene.
0: It's out of nowhere, too. It's
1: just like... Floodgates are opened. Yeah. He feels valued when he was with Molly.
0: And there she is, so... Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And Molly decides to leave. She does not acknowledge whatever it is that's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, she does acknowledge it. Well, eventually. And and she speaks to him about, like, you know, we have a difference in class. I could, you know, never be with you. There's nothing between us. Mm-hmm. I've come to see that over the last few weeks. And Fitz tries to say that, you know, you know you're Molly and I'm new boy. And Molly's like, nah, once. We were like that, maybe, but not now.
0: Yeah. Well, this is what I think is really interesting about their relationship. Molly points out, you are a young noble of the royal family, and I am a serving girl. And Fitz's reply is, no, you're Molly, and I'm new boy. And I really feel like this is a little bit of delusion on Fitz's part, that If he's with Molly, the other stuff doesn't matter, which is childlike in a way. It's very reminiscent of a first crush, but it's not real. Right. And the feeling of, well, no, no, no. We can just go back to what it was when I was just new boy and you were Molly. Nothing else has to matter where Molly has to sit here in the reality of, but it doesn't matter if that's how we feel about each other because you really are a royal, and I'm really not.
1: <laughs> and we have to remember that this whole conversation is tinged with what Regal has been saying to her. True. As well, and we learn more about that in the scene following this. But there's a couple times in here where I want to point out what she says later about what Regal was saying is reflected in this conversation. Yeah. And that's one of them that there is a difference between the princes and the whatever, and Mm -hmm. there can be nothing between you guys and that sort of thing. That's one of the things that Regal has been telling her.
0: Right. But I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I mean, I think hers is the extreme version of that. I think they're,
1: they're both on opposite ends. (laughs) Yes.
0: The extreme of opposite ends. And I think that this read through, especially of this chapter, it made Fitz's feelings for Molly feel very selfish and wrong to me in a way that it hadn't before just because Fitz is so alone right now and he's really struggling and he feels like his life is changing too much and nobody cares about him and so to get away from that feeling he wants to pretend like it doesn't exist and go back to that feeling of being new boy and Molly and I think that's really not nice to molly because she doesn't know that's where he's coming from yeah and i i don't know i just don't love this it made me really sad because i've been a big fan of molly and fitz this whole time my first read through i was a big fan of their relationship and i think this read through especially this chapter i was just a little disappointed and i don't know what changed from my first reading to the second reading um but especially this scene of no 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 I'm not a royal I'm new boy feels very just I don't know the word I'm looking for but
1: misleading a little bit
0: yeah maybe Uh,
1: I think they're both wrong right right I mean they both take the wrong sides of their perspectives if you're considering two people in love you can't just say no we're two different classes we can't be in love that's wrong right but you also can't say like we're just people we can't we don't have to take into account you know where we're coming from that's yeah. also wrong there's there's a compromise there's a middle ground there's you know everything you kind of have to say like oh yeah we're from you know different places but we are still people and not you know made up of just what our station is in life right so i don't know but she is uh, determined molly is determined to save up enough money to go out on her own and start her own chandlery, eventually. She turned aside from me. Lacey stood silently. I noticed she did not open the door for Molly, but Molly did not pause there. The door shut very firmly behind her. A terrible silence welled up in the room. Well, patience breathed at last. I am glad to see that at least one of you has some sense. What on earth were you thinking, Fitz Chivalry, to barge in here and all but attack my maid? I was thinking that I loved her, I said bluntly. I dropped into a chair and put my head into my hands. I was thinking that I am very weary of being so alone. And again, that comes into play, that the whole loneliness kind of Mm -hmm. sparks this, like, I need somebody to just want me for me, and I'll be whoever you want me to be. Yeah. As long as I'm just me and not a royal.
0: Yeah. Which, super unhealthy. Not yeah. great. Oh, yeah. Very. Um,
1: Every, I mean, everything about Fitz in these books <laughs> is super unhealthy, pretty much. Yeah, that's a good point. Even the good parts of him are like...
0: Nah, that, uh.
1: Maybe see, <laughs> see some therapy.
0: Get, get some help. <laughs> um, but, you know, now Patience is a little offended. Like, oh, so you just came here because you're lonely and wanted to confess your love? To which... Fitz says, no, I didn't know Molly was here. I came here to see you, actually. (laughs) That just happened to happen.
1: And he wants to know if Molly speaks of him at all to Patience and Lacey and they're quiet on everything and won't tell him. But uh, he says, I'm not a babe and this is not some bobble you hide from me to distract me with other toys. This is Molly and she is my heart and I will not let her go. I am afraid you must, Patience said the words heavily. Why, has she chosen another? Patience batted my words away as if they were flies. No, she is not fickle, not that one. She is smart and diligent and full of wit and spirit. I can see how you lost your heart to her. But she also has pride. She has come to see what you refuse, that you come, each of you, from places so far apart That there can be no meeting in the middle. That line right there, this is one of those things that I wanted to point out, also comes from the conversation with Regal, of Fitz and Molly talking about what Regal has said to her. At one point in that conversation, in the next scene, Molly says something, and I'll point it out when we get there, something along the lines of, and Regal told me that, you know, patience and Lacey would respect me more if the idea had come from me and i had come to that conclusion all on my own and this is like where it's coming through patience is like at least one of you has sense she came to the conclusion that you guys are too far apart and not good for each other
0: also okay just a quick little aside um how did regal know that was exactly what patience wanted to hear
1: Hey, Regal's good at this.
0: He's He can read people. Like, hate to give praise to a villain, but credit where credit is due. What do you
1: mean you hate to give praise to a villain? <laughs> you okay, love I, a good villain.
0: I do love a good villain. But like...
1: In the moment, oh my gosh, Regal's the worst. Kenneth's the worst. Kyle's the worst. <laughs> Claris is all the worst, but at the same time, oh my gosh, the drama. The dramatics
0: <laughs> is so good. I love the drama. It's great. <laughs> Ugh. But no, so I just think it's really interesting that he knew exactly what to say to her to get her to say the things that Patience wanted to hear. That's exactly what Patience was saying to Fitz. How mm-hmm. does he know that that's what Patience would think? It's so crazy. I don't know.
1: He's been manipulating people of the court for a long time that's and his true. mother a long time before that.
0: I guess he would know that Patience is probably super susceptible to being worried about People talking bad, yeah, and especially because patience goes on to talk about, you know, maybe you could bear being called names, but could she? Could your children? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be okay with being called names because you're poor and can't provide for your wife?
1: Or if your your parents are talked about as if your father just, you know, bedded your mother one too many times and had to marry her? Like, there's two ends to this, and neither of them will like will thank you
0: for yeah yeah. it won't be good which I think is a good reminder to Fitz that like you don't like people talking about your dad yeah (laughs) it hasn't been so great for you (laughs) so why on earth would you do something that does that to your potential children obviously he doesn't seem to take too much of this to heart uh as we will see in the next scene but (laughs)
1: right it does with a little help from Lacey
0: (laughs) it does cause him to pause and think
1: he says that his heart will not change, and Patience says that I don't think that Molly's will either. Cared for you, Fitz. Not knowing who you really were, she gave her heart to you. She has said as much.
0: She also, though, makes sure to say that, you know, you're young, and there is a chance that you will meet someone closer to your station. Yeah. And I feel like this is her talking about, from or talking from her own experience of her and Burek.
1: That could definitely be true.
0: They were young when they met and had a crush on each other. And then
1: that could well, be her one own of them found, rationalization.
0: Yeah, one of them found somebody closer to their station. Yeah. Than the other um just stayed as a permanent third wheel, so <laughs> but yeah, I think she's trying to give him hope and that there could be someone else out there for him, which is true. He could have If he wasn't so stubborn and so adamant that the only person who could love him is Molly, which I don't know why he has that in his head the way he does. Because he's super weird about this one topic. I think he could have moved on. I think he could have gotten a different love. But just something about Molly. Yeah. He never outgrows it.
1: It's his, it's his, like, I, in my mind at least, and this is how I kind of, put everything together for his character. It's his want to not be a part of the royal family. It's his want of that quiet life in the cabin in the middle of the nowhere, doing nothing, being beholden to nobody. And Molly is that escape for him? Because he doesn't have to be the assassin. He doesn't have to be, you know, a tool for anybody. And he could just be new boy. And since that was his favorite time as a kid, I think he's just maintained that is the vision for happiness in the future. Because when he got to the town, that was his only friends. Like th- those were his friends growing up.
0: Yeah. That's fair. And I guess also he is emotionally stunted for like a good 10 to 15 years. So he probably doesn't really. Get the emotional maturity to realize that your first crush really isn't the end all be all. Right, <laughs> you don't have to be. And then you, you mean can...
1: when he comes back to her yeah. at the end? Yeah. Yeah. And patience continues on saying that you know Molly doesn't want to be a servant marrying a noble. She doesn't want her children to be daughters and sons of a keep servant. So she's saving a little bit what she can. She's still doing her trade as best as she can she's still buying her waxes and her scents and she wants to save enough somehow to begin again with her own chandlery it will not be soon but that is her goal and i want to say that it will not be soon is a little bit of a contradiction to what molly says later as well
0: well i don't think molly's told her just how close right. she is to that but
1: exactly exactly she sees no place in that life for you. And Fitz is, with that um, that final word, Fitz is kind of deflating here mm-hmm. quite a bit. And...
0: He reaches out to Night Eyes for comfort. And yeah. is sleeping currently, but he, you know, like, mind pets him, which was kind of funny to me. Um, so as not to wake him and then comes back to the room where Patience says what will you do and he has tears in his eyes as he tells her what I am told I said heavily when have I ever done otherwise
1: it goes back to his like conversation in his mind saying that he was just a hound one of the working dogs in the keep doing as they're told he's just obeying
0: and he goes to leave but before he does says hey you know the reason i was here here was to let you know petrican is making the garden again and i think you should go see her because she wants to remake it the way queen constance did and I thought you could recall it for her. And this starts an interesting conversation where mm-hmm. Patience is like, oh, you know, I'll draw up some stuff and I'll explain it to you so you can explain it to her. And Fitz goes, no, no, I think you personally should go talk to her. And then we see a little bit of Patience's insecurities come out.
1: Mm-hmm. Fitz, I have never been good with people. Her voice faltered. "'I am sure she would find me odd. "'Boring. "'I i could not... "'Her voice stuttered to a halt. "'Queen Ketrakin is very alone,' I said quietly. "'There are ladies around her, "'but I do not think she has real friends. "'Once you were queen-in-waiting. "'Cannot you recall what it was like? "'Very different for her than it was for me, I should think. "'Probably,' I agreed. "'I turned to go.' For one thing, you had an attentive and loving husband. Behind me, Patience made a small, shocked sound. And I do not think Prince e- Regal was as clever then as he is now. And you had Lacey to support you. Yes, Lady Patience. I am sure it is very different for her. Much harder.
0: She does not like that.
1: <laughs> no. She throws a little tantrum here. <laughs> Fit Chivalry, I pause the door. Yes, my lady? "'Turn about when I speak to you.' "'I turned slowly, and she actually stamped the floor at me. "'This ill becomes you. "'You seek to shame me. "'Think you that I do not do my duty? "'That I do not know my duty? "'My lady? "'I shall go to her tomorrow, "'and she will think me odd and awkward and flighty. "'She will be bored with me and wish I had never come, "'and then you shall apologize to me for making me do it. "'I am sure you know best, my lady. "'Take your courtier's manners and go, insufferable boy.' She stamped her foot again, then whirled and fled back into her bedchamber.
0: <laughs> this is such a cute scene. Um, and I think it was good for Fitz to call Patience out Oh this yeah, way. very
1: good. <laughs> Patience
0: has had this weird thing about how she just assumes Ketrickin is doing amazing because she seems so confident and she has so many people around her all the time and she's not like other girls, so of course Ketrickin wouldn't like her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <And so laughs> oh, yeah. Uh,
0: and I think she probably is a little embarrassed that her son had to be like, uh, actually, you had it way better than she has it. Um, she's not as popular as, she, as you think she is.
1: <laughs> Maybe go out once in a while, Mom. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> Stop reading the Facebook posts. <laughs> <laughs> oh so it it's kind of a cute little scene of um finally Fitz getting through the Patience to go be Ketrickin's friend which I think is good because
1: they both have very similar interests yes
0: they would get along and they do later so I'm glad this finally got through to her right um but Lacey isn't as well I would say happy but Patience was not very happy in that <laughs> Lacey is also a little grumpy when Fitz turns to go. And Fitz says, well, if he has something to say, (laughs) he might as well. And Lacey says, I was thinking that you were very like your father, Lacey observed tartly, except not quite as stubborn. He did not give up as easily as you have. She shut the door firmly behind me. And we get to see a little bit of Lacey's disappointment. (laughs) She's
1: this is the second time in this scene that she has tried to help Fitz out and has been on his side with Molly. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's happened a couple times throughout the whole book so far, but she didn't open up the door for Molly. And then now basically telling Fitz, like, go get her.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, also pointing out, like, hey, bud, when it comes to love, you can't just say you love somebody and then not do anything. If you really loved her, you would have been going out. Of your way to go get her, which I think isn't fair because in Fitz's mind, he was protecting her. Yeah. Which is fair. He was in some ways, (laughs) but not fully. So, I don't know.
1: So Fitz immediately goes and uh, goes to Molly's room, starts knocking at her door. She's ignoring him.
0: She puts out the candle as soon as he starts knocking.
1: Yep. Uh, he tries to uh, jimmy open the door with his knife but she's changed the lock and has latched it and he gets the bright idea to go down to her windowsill Mm. so he goes up a floor gets a rope climbs down and uh, starts unlocking her window
0: (laughs) and she says if you come in I shall scream and the guards will come then you'd best put tea on for them I replied grimly and went back to wriggling the lower catch (laughs)
1: Eventually, she throws open the door, and he's sitting there straddling the windowsill, basically. And she's saying, go away. And he's like, I can't. I, I don't have the strength to climb back up, and the rope isn't long enough to reach the base of the wall. So,
0: <laughs> and then she replies with, well, you can't come in.
1: <laughs> he's like, fine. You <laughs> just sat there.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cute. A little a little weird, but, you know. Well, yeah. Cute, nonetheless. I like that he admitted that he did not have the strength to climb back up.
1: (laughs) And he basically says, you know, well, I'm here to ask, to tell you that I'm going to ask the permission from the king to marry you tomorrow. So, you know, that's that. Mm -hmm. And Molly stared for a moment. Her voice was low as she said, I do not wish to marry you. I wasn't going to tell him that part. I found myself grinning at her. (laughs) You are intolerable. Yes, and very cold. Please, at least let me come in out of the cold. She did not give me permission, but she did stand back from the window. So he goes in, and... He builds up the fire and warms himself and grins back at her, but she's not smiling. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, weird. Everything, fits. yeah.
1: Everything is kind of repeated. Like you should go. It's like nah, I'm not going to go yet. We should talk. You should go.
0: <laughs> and she points out, if you would have done this a month ago, two weeks ago, even, I probably would have taken you in, and this would be cute and romantic. But you didn't come, and it's too late, and I don't love you anymore that's that
1: you were correct and practical and did all the right things and foolish as it may sound that hurt me i told myself that if you loved me as deeply as you had declared you did nothing not walls not manners or reputation or protocol would get in the way of your seeing me that night when you came when we but it changed nothing you did not come back but it was for your sake for your reputation i i began desperately hush i told you it was foolish but feelings do not have to be wise. Feelings just are. Your loving me was not wise. Nor my caring for you. I've come to see that. And I've come to see that wisdom must overrule feelings. She sighed. I was so angry when your uncle first spoke to me. So outraged.
0: <laughs> Before we get into the real section, we have the talk of why Molly can't accept the feelings right now. And I think this section specifically makes me question why people dislike Molly so much. (laughs) Because she admits that she knows that her feeling hurt because he didn't follow rules doesn't make sense. It's just how feelings are. And she knows it's dumb, but that's how she feels and she can't help that, which I think is super valid She's acknowledging it doesn't make sense, but she's also acknowledging that she still feels that way. And I think it's perfectly okay for her to feel this way because she doesn't understand what's truly at stake like while he was away. Because Fitz is doing this to save her actual life and Molly thinks it's just her reputation. (laughs) And which is nice and it's super great that he's worried about her reputation and he does worry about her reputation. But I think more so it's the fact that she could die because of him that keeps him away. And she doesn't see that. And he never explains that to her. Right. And so it's like, well, great. You were worried about my reputation. But then, like, I guess that means you don't really care that much because my reputation shouldn't be that big of a deal. (laughs) like.
1: The stakes aren't the same on both sides.
0: No. And so I always feel so bad that people hate on her so much because she's a teen girl who thinks this kid is just weird. And, like... (laughs) is really bad at expressing feelings. I don't know. It's, but yeah, so I just read this part and was like, oh, I love her.
1: (laughs) So they speak on Regal. She's kind of explaining what he has been saying to her. Mm -hmm. Basically, um, he made her see that it was in her own best interests to stop pursuing this with Fitz and to Make her see that there was nothing that was ever going to happen between the two. She's crying as she says this, so Fitz crosses the room and gently takes her into a hug. And she continues talking. In a few more months, I will have saved enough that I can start out on my own again. Not open a business, but rent a room somewhere and find work to sustain me. And begin to start saving for a shop. That's what I intend to do. She doesn't like being a servant, and she doesn't want to do it longer than she has to. Fitz kind of prompts her to speak more on Regal, to like, mm-hmm. hey, what, what did he say, though? <laughs> and she says, only what I should have expected him to say. When first he came to me, he was cold and aloof. He thought me a street whore, I suppose. He warned me sternly that the king would tolerate no more scandals. He demanded to know if I was with child. She was angry and says that they had never been together. And then he says, and he told me that if that was so, it was good. But then he asked what I thought I deserved as reparation for your deceptions.
0: I just want to point out here she becomes somebody she sort of puts a trust in Regal. And I'm sure part of that is motivated by him giving her business, which we'll talk about later on. But why wouldn't she think about the first time? How much could he possibly know, number one, if he thinks that she could possibly be with child? How close is he really to Fitz if he's like assuming that she got pregnant? And maybe she just assumes like, oh, Fitz told people that we were together even though we weren't. Let's assume she thinks the worst of Fitz in this way. But also, he's saying he's coming from the king. Fitz has never mentioned the king. I guess he just recently mentioned he's a bastard.
1: Well, he didn't even mention that, really. True, she found out on her own.
0: But, like, he's mentioning that he's there for the king, and he's talking about how he's going to pay her money to leave, and that he wants her out, and that this is, like, you know, big scandal. And it just feels like, and then it's like, oh, how much is it worth to you How much is your time worth that you think that he deceived you, which isn't super great towards Fitz. So I don't see how she comes to think of him as a reliable person to talk to about Fitz.
1: I mean, he is coming from a place of extreme authority. He's an actual legitimate prince to the crown. He is second in line at this point. He is literally the number three person in the kingdom right now. Touche. And he is coming to this serving girl and saying, Hey, we don't want any scandals, probably scaring her.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, Hey, true. what's what's
1: going on? Like, no more scandals. What do you think you deserve? What will make you go away because Fitz deceived you and he's rubbing in the whole thing that Fitz is the one in the fault here to probably poison right. to get at Fitz to poison her against him and right. everything like that. It
0: just feels like I mean, that's a good point that I wasn't like super thinking about because I always I dislike Regal enough where I forget sometimes how powerful he is in title. (laughs) But, like, he's so anti-fits in this. Why wouldn't you think, hmm, something's weird that he keeps trying to talk crap about his nephew that he seems to pretend to be super close with? I
1: mean, remember, though, Molly is very blunt with what she says, like always. That's fair. Regal is not.
0: That's true. Okay. And he could
1: have phrased this multiple different ways, very prettily and just gotten across that meaning without saying anything specifically against Fitz. And she just kind of like says it. So it doesn't like register that he is like super anti Fitz. It's just that that's what the message was. Hmm. Interesting.
0: I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like I mean, (laughs) it's a month of him talking to her probably daily, but like. I don't know. I wouldn't trust him after he accused me of being pregnant and then tried to pay me off. That's all I'm saying.
1: (laughs) I told him I expected nothing, that I had deceived myself as much as you had deceived me. So then he offered me money to go away and never speak of you or what had happened between us. He offered her enough to open a chandlery. Of course, she was angry at that because she has pride in what she does.
0: But she also has pride in that she really does love Fitz. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If she took money to stop loving Fitz, that makes her no better than the street whore he thought she was. Yeah, That's exactly. what she says.
1: He was angry and then he left. And Fitz says, well, he makes mischief. He seeks to injure you, injure me by driving you away, to shame me by hurting you. And he kind of says, he says out loud, but I don't think Molly really, like...
0: Understands.
1: Gathers from, like, what he said, what Fitz's thoughts towards this whole thing was. Because he, he specifically says, I should have foreseen this. All I thought was that he might whisper against you. Or arrange for physical harm to befall you. <laughs> yeah. All I thought was that maybe physical harm <laughs> could befall you. But Birk is right. The man has no morals. He is bound by no rules. Molly continues on. He was cold at first, but never coarsely rude. He came only as the king's messenger, he said, and came himself to save Scandal, that no more should know of it than needed. Uh, He sought to avoid talk, not make it. He talked with her a few times, and then he said he regretted to see me cornered so, and that he would tell the king it was not of my devising. He even bought candles of me and arranged for others to know what I had to sell. I believe he is trying to help fit chivalry, or so he sees it."
0: Ugh, this is so frustrating. And I know she does not know what we know about Regal, and it's really hard to separate what we know about Regal from what she knows, um, in my personal opinion. but. It makes me the most mad that not once does Fitz ever say the king has nothing to do with this. He's lying. He doesn't point out any of the lies. He doesn't... And I know that it says that he decides not to argue about Regal because he doesn't want to seem like a jealous little boy.
1: I bit my tongue before I spoke any more ill of him to her. It would only sound like a shallow, angry boy striking back at one who sought to deny his will.
0: But, like... I don't know. feels like you should maybe clear out the fact that Regal is lying about why he's there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, um, my grandfather, the king, <laughs> doesn't know about you. So <laughs> I don't know who he thinks he's being told to do this by because it is not my grandfather, the king. <laughs> <laughs> it just I don't know. It just makes me so mad that that he doesn't correct any of it. Uh, and I guess it would be hard to, like, figure out a way to do that in this in the moment. But, like, I don't know.
1: Right. <sighs> and then he brings up um, what I was talking about before. He says, have you ever spoken of Regal's visits to Patience or Lacey? What did they say of him? She shook her head and the movement loosed the fragrance of her hair. He cautioned me not to speak of it. Women talk, he said, and I know it is true. I should not have even spoken of it to you. He said that Patience and Lacey would respect me more if it seemed I had reached this decision on my own. He said, also, that you would not let me go, if you thought the decision came from him. That you must believe I turned away from you on my own.
0: Uh! this is so shady like big red flag girl he's saying don't tell anybody he's talking to you maybe that means it's because he doesn't have any authority to talk to you oh use your brain molly please <laughs> somebody needs to because we all know fitz won't oh i hate this so much this section makes me so angry at both of them. Because she is a
1: young teenage girl, and Regal is a mid-30s prince. True. Coming from a position of power.
0: I don't
1: think he's mid-30s. He's mid-20s. Late 20s. Late 20s. Yeah, late 20s, right. Yeah. Late 20s prince, who is, by all accounts, extremely charming, very handsome, offering you money, propping up your business and saying like, I don't want scandals in the kingdom. It's best for Fitz and for you if you guys don't get together.
0: But also don't tell anybody I was here. LOL. (laughs) No, that's weird. That's shady.
1: (laughs) Okay. So if the, the vice president came up to you and said like, Hey,
0: Kamala Harris herself.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, don't, do this thing or like go away for a while, but don't tell anybody I told you.
0: I'm still going to tell somebody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way I would not tell You'll anybody. hear about it
1: next week. <laughs>
0: yes. Next week on the pod, Kamala Harris joins us. <laughs> no, I would. I. That's the thing, though, right? Is like it would make it makes sense for her to ignore the don't tell Fitz because we're family and he wouldn't like it. Like, sure. OK, whatever. But, like, don't tell anybody else either, because women talk. Like, first of all, grossly misogynistic. Second of all, big red flag. Talk to somebody.
1: <laughs> Who do you think told Molly these red flags? Her mother that passed away when she was <sighs> born? Her sh- abusive uh, alcoholic father okay. that probably manipulated her, too? Like,
0: Okay, that's a good point. She doesn't necessarily <laughs> have... <laughs> Somebody to teach her about this in her life and coming from an abusive background, she probably doesn't recognize it as easily. Oh yeah. Hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it because it works really. And it makes sense of why it works. It just makes me so frustrated that it does.
1: <sighs> so she kind of, um, says like, I don't know why I told you. And Fitz is like, perhaps you did not want to let me go. Or didn't want me to let you go. Mm -hmm. She's like, you must. We both know there's no future for us.
0: And then she kisses him.
1: And then she kisses him. (laughs) And then little Marvin Gaye plays in the background. Mm -hmm. The candles are all of a sudden lit around the room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The memory of that night's sweet awkwardness is the truest possession of my soul. (laughs) Which I thought was a really cute line. But yeah. So they have a nice little time.
1: Yeah, they get it on.
0: <laughs> it's romantic. There's talk about how awesome it is. Perfect. For for
1: <laughs> this awkwardness is the truest possession of my soul. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Um, no. It's... This
0: awkwardness is the truest possession of our podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah no yeah they, they have sex here and um, Fitz is like trying to describe it in poetic terms and things right. like that but he's like it's the same thing that he was trying to describe like the skill with right. like I can't put it into words but here are all the things that it kind of compares to and right. people call it this or this but it's not quite mm-hmm. and it kind of fades to black and it's... until we
0: hear a good pup's voice saying brother this is good <laughs> <laughs> which kind of scares him
1: <laughs> yeah i mean this is this is after the end when the fireplace logs have burned down to dark red embers they're just kind of like um sleeping a little I'm bit the, they're, they're they're
0: cuddling yeah
1: they're cuddling they're just they're uh, almost sleeping or something and i leaped like a hooked fish jolting molly out of her drowsing reverie what is it a cramp in my calf i lied and she laughed believing believing me So simple a fib, but I was suddenly shamed by the lie, by all the lies I had ever spoken and all the truths I had made into lies by leaving them unspoken. I opened my lips to tell her all. It was unthinkable to tell her those things would hurt and shame her. She would have felt permanently dirtied by the touch we had shared. I told myself that I could stand to have her despise me, but I could not stand to have her despise herself. I told myself that I clenched my lips shut because it was the nobler thing to do. To keep these secrets to myself was better than to let the truth destroy her. Did I lie to myself then? Don't we all?
0: Yeah, so this was another part that to me really struck at the chords of Fitz's selfishness. Mm -hmm. And the big difference in Molly's point of view and Fitz's Fitz has so much that he's hiding from Molly
1: but also okay so before you continue on I'm sorry for interrupting you but like mm-hmm. yeah he's super selfish in this but also like the next paragraph he says I'm gonna sever the bond with night eyes I'm gonna go tell him I'm gonna stop being assassin like yeah he's super selfish of hiding these but it's like in his mind, it's super justified because he's going to cut it all out of his life, anyways. Right. But that's I think weird. That's even,
0: I don't know. I know. I don't know how he keeps doing this. I mean, it is fits, but <laughs> he keeps playing this game of it doesn't count because I don't think it should in this moment. Right. And then not realizing the hypocrisy of that. And it's kind of frustrating to continuously see.
1: It's what he does later as Tom Badgerlock, too, in Withy mm-hmm. Woods. Because he literally just ignores that he had night eyes. Yep. He ignores, like, at least to Molly. Yeah. He ignores all those things. And Molly kind of knows a little bit of what he's doing with the crown mm-hmm. or, like, what he was in the past. But at the same time, nothing's happening now. So they just kind of ignore it.
0: Yeah. It's and it
1: goes on. Uh, I don't super know. Super
0: unhealthy. I don't know where he picked up this habit, but. He should not have.
1: <laughs>
0: and it's it also shows how much he takes charge of what other people are allowed to feel. Right. She, obviously, the only thing that can happen is my idea of what she's allowed to feel. I'm not even going to give her the opportunity to accept me or to do anything else because I have decided this will be her response and I don't want to deal with that right now. And that's not fair that's not fair to molly because maybe she would get it and i understand that like maybe right after having sex for the first time you don't say by the way i murdered a bunch of people before
1: anyway and my pet wolf can literally feel everything that i am
0: (laughs) and he said that you were really good in bed so anyway um (laughs) i'm gonna go make breakfast you want to eat (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, I get that maybe this isn't the right time, but also maybe he shouldn't have done it at all if he couldn't have told her any of this. Right. And to say after the fact of, oh, Molly would hate the fact that she was sleeping with a murderer, then maybe you shouldn't have put her in that position, Fitz. Like, (laughs) if you truly believe that would be her reaction, then you should have told her beforehand so she could tell you that she didn't want anything to do with you anymore.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And that, like, this part made me a little frustrated with Fitz. Just
1: this part? Just
0: just this part. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. Wow,
1: I'm looking forward to your full of optimism and uh, everything for all of the rest of the books about Fitz. (laughs) There's no more frustration.
0: Nope. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, yeah. Like you said, he's now on the role of I'm going to... Quit being an assassin, because there's no way that could go wrong. And also, Night Eyes is totally gonna take it cool that I'm severing our bond, like, two days after making
1: it. I would make Night Eyes understand why I must sever my bond with him.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Tomorrow. But today, in this day that was already beginning to dawn, I had to go forth with the wolf at my side to hunt the Forged Ones and slay them.
0: Which, by the way, as though Night Eyes can't hear this thought process, like... We all know Night Eyes is there going, sure, buddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he promises himself that he's going to go to Shrewd with a fresh triumph and uh, ask him to have permission to marry Molly. Mm -hmm. And Fitz says, like, yeah, I have to leave. I'm going to go ask the king. And they have a back and forth of like, why why do you have to go now? He's like, no, I have to go. Yeah. And Fitz finally is like, well, there's there's a rope hanging from the upper floor to your room. So that might excite some comment. Right.
0: But also <laughs> when he brings up that he's going to ask permission to marry her, Molly says, I feel we are wet already. And Fitz goes through. You know, he says, oh, I feel the same, but I need others to know that we're also married, which I thought was interesting he
1: it doesn't need it, but it's just, there will be great satisfaction to me in letting all know of it.
0: Right. But it just feels like a weird, like, this feels very, like, Molly's, like, run away with me so we can be married in private and live live on the land and, you know, <laughs> run away together. And Fitz is like... No, yeah, totally. I also agree that we're in love and could run away together, but actually, let's stay here and you continue being a servant and I'm going to keep being
1: royal. I think that's a pretty dramatic take
0: <laughs> It
1: is. <on> it it <laughs> is a little dramatic,
0: but as Molly say, says, uh, feelings just are, so...
1: <laughs> oh, God, please don't let that be an excuse for everything now. Okay, so they finally say goodbye and right before he leaves molly says come to me tonight regardless of what the king may say promise me otherwise i shall not survive this day promise me you will return to me for no matter what the king may say know this i am your wife now and always will be always my heart stood still in me at that gift and i could do no more than dumbly nod My look must have been enough, for the smile she bestowed on me was bright and golden as midsummer sunshine. I lifted the bar and unhooked the latch of the door. Easing it open, I peered out into the darkened hallway. Be sure you lock up after me, I whispered. And then I slipped away from her into the little that was left of the night. (sighs) Molly doesn't really care that they're, like, not married. I think she will eventually, but, like, Right. right now... Fitz is like, oh, I'm going to ask him to marry me and everything like that. Mm-hmm. While he's like, I'm cool with like this for now.
0: Yeah, like this is good. We don't have to get married yet.
1: Like We are married, though. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> she, of course, has to end it with, I'll always be your wife no matter what. And Fitz takes this as her saying that he doesn't say this. But in my mind, he takes this as her permission to continue lying to her. Because she just said she'd always be with him. So, what does that. it matter A if he? Bit. A little keeps justification. Things? Yeah. Which is frustrating because she doesn't know what that means. Right.
1: right. <laughs> she
0: does in her own way, but not with any context of who he is. I mean, he literally just got done lying to her for the third time um, since they've been hanging out. And she has no idea. I mean, it just, she asks about his shoulder injury and he makes up something about a dog biting him.
1: Yeah. And then she's concerned, like, what? he realizes it's just, like, to delay him, basically, because she yeah. wants to hang out with him more. But he's like, oh, no, it's just a little lie, but, you know.
0: Yeah, it's okay because it's, it's a little dog bite. and I don't want her to worry about forged yeah. ones. And it's, I don't know, it's just, like, really hard to watch Fitz lie to this poor girl multiple times (laughs) and then be like well it's okay because I'm just gonna get rid of the parts that she probably won't like and then we never have to talk about it because they're not me anymore which also isn't true you should still tell her about the stuff you did (laughs) I don't know it is a very young way to look at love and how a relationship should work Um, but it's sad kind of to read (laughs) right I don't know. I, I feel very sorry for Molly in this.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in to us this week.
0: For once, Fitz is happy.
1: For once, Fitz is happy at the end of it, yeah. I can say that, yeah. yeah. I mean, the beginning of it was a little rough for him. Yeah. It was uh, kind of spiraling mm-hmm. from the top of the tower, but, uh, but I- pretty happy now.
0: He had a pretty good night, so
1: feeling (laughs) yeah, feeling on top of the world before he uh, crashes a little bit later. So, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us this week in this discussion. If you have anything to say to us about you know Royal Assassin in general, about this chapter, about the whole series, about this trilogy, or you know asking questions about anything, please let us know. Shout out to us at fitshappy at gmail.com or any one of our social medias at Isfitshappy.
0: Okay, so now we're going to talk about the stuff that you guys talked to us about. Uh, first, we want to give a shout-out to Kumba, a <laughs> very good pup, yeah that got
1: sent to us on facebook thank you so much for the picture yes really cute
0: he's very cute and a very good boy he deserves lots of treats
1: yes (laughs) yes
0: um and then we also wanted to talk about a message we got on instagram from b.a jenkins um they let us know that um, in their opinion, one of Fitz's most frustrating traits is his inability to clue others in or let them make their own decisions. And this kind of mirrors the way he was treated growing up.
1: Yeah, all the relationships that he's had have kind of, like, with with Chivalry, with his mother, with Chade, with birik they all had sort of, like, a forced separation in all of those Relationship, So that kind of like dictated his future way of acting towards other relationships he has in his life.
0: Right. And he it's kind of like an ownership of like, I'm going to dictate how much you get of me, but done in a way in which he thinks that's what he's supposed to do if he really loves somebody, which is kind of sad.
1: Yeah. Probably also a way of coping and protecting himself as well in case... Something like it always does goes wrong in the relationship.
0: Right. And they eventually leave. So, um, a sad point to bring up, but a good one nonetheless.
1: Yeah. They also (laughs) mentioned that uh, it makes sense with that in mind how slow Fitz is to acknowledge that Molly or anyone else loves, actually loves him. Yeah. And how much it probably means to him that the fool addresses him as beloved later on. Yeah. And how uncomfortable that makes him.
0: <laughs> right. Well, because he's never had love given to him in that way. Or maybe he did get it early on with his mother, but...
1: He blocked that out. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, well, it probably hurts way worse if you think about him coming from a very loving household. <laughs>
1: right, right. Yeah, thank you so much for sending in that comment and that thought process, because it really is true fits has come from a background of a lot of broken relationships whether on purpose or just because of circumstances yeah and it definitely has affected his future ones
0: (laughs) for sure well thank you guys for sending stuff in and uh we love hearing from you guys so keep doing it we enjoy and look forward to what you guys are going to share with us next week